Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. Nice. All right. Make sure you check that out. Again, if you're exploring faith or if you'd love to kind of dig into the foundations of faith, Alpha is amazing for that. Before we get started uh, in the word tonight, I'd just like to ask anybody on the Lake Mount Young Adult Leadership Team just to stand up if you guys would. Any of the leaders, stand up, turn around, wave. These are leaders. And Andy's not just counting. He's also one of our leaders. And so these guys uh, serve this ministry week in, week out. And so listen, if you are, first of all, I just want to thank you guys. We give these guys a huge shout out just for how they serve in so many ways behind the scenes, putting together videos and all that stuff and just kind of coordinating a whole bunch of things. But also, if you're new, if you're looking to make connection, if you have any questions, you're looking to explore things, just look for one of those guys with the tags on and that'll just be uh, super helpful to you. Getting ready to kick things off. Just to, just so I can make things awkward, how many, it's your first night, like your first time ever here? All right, yeah, see, it's not awkward. See how confident that was? Welcome, we're so glad you guys are with us. And uh, we're gonna jump in to the word of God tonight. I'm going to ask you guys to go with me to Luke chapter 14, the gospel of Luke chapter 14. We're going to read some of the words of Jesus and just unpack that for a few moments together tonight as we're digging into what it means to be a disciple and uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the best source material that we could possibly get on what that looks like is to actually hear from Jesus Himself, And so tonight as we read this, we want to have open hearts to recognize that this isn't just, you know, old words on a page, but this is the living word of God and this is the standard of God being spoken to us here tonight. It's the word of God, so it's, it's eternally relevant. It, it matters for us here tonight, okay? And so Luke chapter 14, verse 25 and we're just, we're, we're working through these verses together tonight. We're going to zero in on one of them, but I want to read all of them together so we kind of get this context. Luke 14, 25 says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brother and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, if that sounds harsh, it's because it sounds really harsh, okay? Uh, and we unpacked that a couple weeks ago. And if you weren't here for that, basically just the Coles knows is Jesus saying, listen, your love for me needs to be so far out in front that every other love in your life looks like hatred by contrast. A priority for Jesus, a priority to obey him and that he's first. That we don't put our lives and our obedience to Jesus on hold for any other person or any other thing, but we go all in for Jesus. That's what he's going for there. Verse 27, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me 
cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays a foundation and isn't able to finish it, everyone will see it and ridicule him and say, this guy began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether with whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other's still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. Father, I pray tonight that those words of Jesus, that you would give us the ears to hear. Not just natural hearing, not just natural reasoning, but Holy Spirit, we now welcome you to come and lead us into all truth. We welcome you to come and open our hearts and apply your word to us. And Lord, truly, we want to apply our lives to your word. We just take your standard and what you say as the absolute truth. And so God, we're asking now that you would help us to be conformed into your image and that you would speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys ever heard the, uh, the phrase jump on the bandwagon? Anybody ever heard that figure of speech? Anybody know what that means? <laughs> I didn't either, so I Googled it, okay? Because jump on the bandwagon. We, sometimes we just say stuff. You ever notice that we just say stuff and we're like, well, I don't know what I'm saying. It's like, sow your wild oats. I still don't know what that one means. Okay, I'm just stuck there. Okay, but jump on the bandwagon. This is actually kind of like what it, what it means is to attach yourself to anything that looks like it's likely to succeed. That's jumping on the bandwagon. That's like, you know, all the people who became Leafs fans for a minute last summer. And literally for a minute. We only made it through one round. But anyways, okay. The term jump on the bandwagon was first used in 1948 when a fam- this is, I'm not making this up. When a famous clown named Dan Rice would use his circus bandwagon to transport politicians around town while he played music, and everybody would come listen to the music, and then they would give political speeches. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, can you imagine the campaign manager meeting where they're just like, "Hey, uh, sir, your numbers are crashing hard." And we need to really get your message out there. So we need a brainstorming session. What should we do? Um, what if we hired a clown? <laughs> and he just played music and everybody came and chased the wagon. And then I'll stick him with a speech. Brilliant. Let's do it. Like, I mean, this is where jumping on the bandwagon comes from, okay? So it's, it's this idea of, of just jumping onto something that looks like it's going to be successful. You haven't really paid much attention. You haven't really thought about it that much. So in that political realm, it's just like, I haven't really thought about who I'm going to vote for, but this guy's giving out free ice cream, and he's got a cool clown, so I vote for him, right? So jumping on the bandwagon... We talk about that. Actually, someone said it tonight when it was like, what's your favorite nation? And they're like, my buddy just went over to Africa. He's never even been to Africa. He's just jumping on the bandwagon. It's like, okay, we know what that guy's all about, right? <laughs> Cute girls at the Africa Summit. That's what that was. Okay, so okay. <laughs> so the idea, the idea is this. When you jump on the bandwagon, you're, just, you're not really all in. You're not really thinking about it. You're just doing what seems to be a good decision in the moment because it seems to be popular. And so Jesus, in this sermon, when he's talking to, like he's got a large crowd. 
I don't know about you, but when I, you know, think on what Jesus said, what we just read, there's a large crowd there, and Jesus throws out this standard of discipleship. It doesn't sound like a great way to grow the crowd. Like, hey, you want to you wanna be my disciple? You got to hate all your family. I'm like, oh, okay. If you want to be my disciple, you got to be willing to take up your cross and deny yourself. Okay, cool. I love self-denial. Sign me up, right? If you want to be my disciple, you know, you better not just, you know, you better count the cost. You better think about it. And what Jesus is really doing is what he's saying is we have to, we must eliminate the bandwagon idea. We really need to consider what it means to follow after him. And so I want us to look at verse 27 for a couple minutes tonight. Then we're going we're gonna to pray together. And I believe that God wants to do something in our hearts. Verse 27, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, sometimes what happens when we, when we read God's word or when we read something that we're familiar with the concept, we, we could sometimes read into the text something that wasn't there for the original hearers. And when Jesus says you need to take up your cross and follow me, just like in the timeline of things, Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet. He hadn't, he hadn't been crucified yet. When Jesus was talking about taking up your cross, he's introducing this concept that sounded in some way kind of abstract and sounded, you know, kind of like in- intense to those disciples. He's saying, hey, if you want to be my disciple, you know that form of capital punishment that's really popular with the Romans? You need to embrace that. And so, again, you can just imagine the, the first people hearing that. Like, you're, you're, they're trying to figure out, like, what he's actually saying. Like, like, Jesus is drawing these huge crowds, and so Jesus is actually trying to filter the crowds. And the crowds that are coming to him, they're like, this, this guy's kind of cool. Like, if you're hungry, he can multiply fish and bread, so that's pretty sweet. I like free food. Um, he doesn't like the Pharisees, and the Pharisees don't like him. We hate Pharisees. This is am- I like this guy. He's kind of anti-establishment, like, yeah, let's get a Jesus t-shirt. You know, everyone is just kind of thinking, this this guy kind of speaks my language. I'm I'm up for what it is that he's saying. They're kind of just bandwagoning along. And Jesus kind of unhitches the bandwagon harsh and says, I'm not looking for a crowd. Hear me tonight. Hear me. I'm not looking for a crowd. I'm looking for disciples. And if that's what Jesus said then, what we have to grasp is he hasn't changed. He's he's not looking for a crowd. He's looking for disciples. Jesus isn't looking for, for, uh, you know, popularity points. He wasn't when he was on the planet. Like at the absolute apex of Jesus' popularity, okay, the whole city is worshiping him. People are saying, you know, Hosanna, which means, you know, you know, have mercy on us. And they're saying, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're worshiping using like Bible language. It's like they're recognizing Jesus is the Messiah. Everyone's going crazy. The whole city's in an uproar. Pharisees are mad. They're like, tell your disciples to stop worshiping. And Jesus is like, no. If I told them to stop, the rocks would cry out. And he's like, seriously? Yes. It's just like going off. And then Jesus gets off of his donkey And while everyone's like, yeah, Jesus, he walks into the temple and he doesn't like what he sees and he makes a whip and starts hitting people. (laughs) Do you think sometimes like it would serve us well to like just dig into the Bible and just be like, let's take Jesus like right where he is instead of our cartoony version that sometimes we create? Like at the top of his popularity, 
Jesus starts whipping people and says, get out of here. Like, hey, Jesus, do you want people to go to church? Yes, but not these people. Right? And flipping tables and whipping. You're like, wow, this is, this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting Jesus in a halo and a toga and just like handing out free sandwiches. <laughs> and so Jesus' view on, on discipleship is the one that we need to take in. And what I'm trying to convey to you tonight is his standard of discipleship isn't about chasing you down and just saying like, hey man, like however, like whatever level of discipleship you want, like if you want to go in like 5%, cool with me, I'll take 5%. You just, I don't even know, what would 5% discipleship be? Like what would that even be like? I thought about God when I woke up. Wow, you're amazing. 10%, like I half listened to Maverick City on my way to work, like, God isn't looking for halfway. He sets the standard on the way in, and it's like, it's hardcore. That's what I just, that's what I want us to grasp. It's, it's hardcore. And Jesus sets that as the bar of entry, that if you want to be my disciple, here's what you need to do. You need to embrace your own cross. So Jesus is, he's foreshadowing, right? Like he's, he's, He's using imagery that's going to make more sense later on the other side of his crucifixion. And he's foreshadowing because what, what foreshadowing helps us do is to understand something better later. And so Jesus talks about the cross before we really know what he means. And then he goes through the cross and then goes, remember what I said? This is what I'm calling you to. So he's saying, if you want to be my disciple... This is what I'm calling you to. A huge crowd, Jesus filters with high bar standard, and then he also filters with, and let the person who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying. Everybody there had ears, unless someone had an unfortunate birth defect, but like everyone, let's just assume everyone had ears, okay? Someone's shaking their head at the back like, no, I, I won't go for that. Someone there didn't have ears, Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think everyone there had ears, okay? What Jesus is saying is there's a way to hear spiritually that will change your life if you'll let God speak to the inside of you. That's true of you and me. And so when we hear something, and again, I'm not, I'm not like candy coating this tonight. Like when we hear some stuff that sounds hardcore, sounds a bit difficult, It'd be easy for me to get up here and just candy coat it and be like, you know what, Jesus didn't really mean it. And just, you know, Jesus is cool. And just, you know, and, and come to church for free ice cream. But the, the fact is, when we hear some things that maybe sound challenging, here's what you need to hear. Here's what I need to hear. Holy Spirit, help me hear what you mean. Give me the ears to hear what you're saying. Because I don't want to create a cartoon version of Jesus. I want to follow him all the way. I want to know him for real. I need the Holy Spirit to help me know him for real. So, like, not pulling any punches, what Jesus is setting as the standard here sounds really high, but Jesus gives us a clue at the end of all of these word pictures. You need the Holy Spirit's help to do any of this. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, could I ask you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, would you just wave at me? You want to, like, you want to do it. You want to be a disciple, even in this generation, okay? You want to be a disciple of Jesus? 
Jesus is telling you first and foremost. Thank you, Jacob. He, he thought about it. He thought about it. And then he's like, you know what? I do. I just decided. It's amazing. What year intern are you? Third year intern. He wants to be a disciple of Jesus. Praise God. Internship's working. Okay, so. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what I was saying, but that was, that was profound. What Jesus is saying, listen, what Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, you will need the help of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. The standard that Jesus calls us to without the help of the Holy Spirit, and I can, I can feel it, okay? When I'm saying this, some of you guys are like, this is a hard message. Like, like this isn't what I was expecting. Like sometimes what we can think is, I don't know if I can do this. I need a more pick-me-up, boost message, rah, rah, go Jesus, free ice cream, okay? But what you need to pick up is the standard of Jesus, like, he doesn't mince words, and he means it. Like, like you remember the story of the rich young ruler? Like, this guy shows up, you know, it's like Justin Bieber wants to join Jesus' team, and Jesus is like, give that all up and come for me, and I don't know. And Jesus doesn't chase him. Jesus doesn't chase somebody and say, be on my team. He sets the standard here. What we need to get is, if we're going to be disciples, all of you that waved at me just a few moments ago, if you really want to be a disciple of Jesus in this generation, you're going to have, to, you're, you're going to need to have spiritually opened ears, spiritually aware of what God is doing in you. To really follow after Jesus, you're going to need the Holy Spirit's help. And that's good news. That's good news. Because if I was up here saying, hey, listen, if you really want to be a good Christian, get serious. Read your Bible for four hours. Get up at one in the morning. Right? Sorry. Like, it, like we, sometimes, sometimes it could just, like, if you really want to be a hardcore Christian, I just, I don't even, don't watch Netflix. Just watch angel movies. Angel Studios movies, you know, like The Chosen and stuff. Like if you, re if you really, really want to be a hardcore Christian, like just, you know, just go, go all in, like only, only Christian t-shirts, you know, like don't even, don't, just be really, really hardcore. You know, someone says, how are you doing? You're going to be like, I'm blessed, praise God. Like that's, what, you really want to do it, you know, learn Christianese. But I'm, I'm telling you tonight that there is a way for you in your world. There's a way for you, where, whatever your world is. If you're in school, if you're starting a new job, whatever it is that is your season, when you walk out of here, what you wake up to tomorrow morning, it's possible for you to be a disciple of Jesus that's living for him in a way that the world can see it, that God is pleased. And I'm telling you, it takes the Holy Spirit's help right out the gate. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you. And so what we're uncomfortable with, we have to lean toward. Because as we lean toward it, I don't know if you've discovered this, but sometimes the uncomfortable things that are good for me, when I avoid them, things don't go well for me. But when I lean towards those uncomfortable things, things start to get better for me, even though it's uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about. Like anybody here ever tried like, like a new diet and workout regimen? Anyone? 
right? Four of us, come on. I was expecting Lewis and the boys to be like, yes, like just yesterday. Like which one, what do you mean? Bulking? What do you mean, protein? What are we talking about? Okay. <laughs> so, when, when you start a new discipline, come on, we, we've all, like, that's it. I'm cutting out sugar, you know. And, and then you, you start reading stuff that has sugar in it. It's like, I can't cut out sugar. It's in everything. Like, did you know, like, that's it. I'm, I'm only going to have cream in my coffee. You know they put sugar in the cream in your coffee? Seriously, like, when you, next time you get a thing of cream, just take a look at it and read the ingredients, because I know what you're expecting. You're expecting to turn it around and go, cream. No. <laughs> There's like 14 preservatives and sugar. It's like, why do I need to preserve this? I feel like, I feel like this generation, like, when we all die... We're going to be, like, cryogenically preserved. Like, we're going to look the same. <laughs> I'll dig people up 20 years from now. I was like, must have had a lot of cream in his coffee, that guy. <laughs> like, you just think it's just cream. But they put preservatives in it, right? So you're like, I'm going to cut out sugar. And all of a sudden, you're like, crap. But you cut out sugar. And what happens? You cut out sugar, and you become a cranky monster, right? <laughs> At first, right? Because you're just like, I didn't realize that sugar was my personality, right? And then, and, then, and then the sugar went away, and you're like, I'm a horrible person. I, you know, it's easy for me to do the first part. I can hate my mother and my family and everything. I'm not having sugar. <laughs> right? And then it's, and then it's like, get, get up and work. I'm going to, you know, anybody in January, like, that's it. I'm going to start working out this year. Right? All the people who are normal at the gym, they're just like, great. I'm going to have to wait for the weights for like two months. And then everyone gives up right? Valentine's Day, everyone's like, screw it, I'm having chocolate, right? And they just give up. But when you decide, I'm going to get up early in the morning, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to cut out sugar. What happens on day one? That's it, I'm feeling good. Day two, you're like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I just, I need a rest day. <laughs> like, you haven't even been doing this for 24 hours, you need a rest day? And you're thinking to yourself, okay, I, I, I just, I want, I want the results. Here's, here's human nature in a nutshell. I want the results of discipline, but I don't want to do discipline. So use the physical picture. I want to be in great shape. I want to, I want to be the guy who just like, yeah, I haven't had a cookie in like four years. I want to be that guy. But if there's cookies, like, I'll have one. Like, I want, I want the result this, this is like, you're hearing me, right? I want that result, but I don't want to do that work. And so Jesus realizes as he's walking the countryside that people are looking at him like a new option, like a new spiritual leader. And he doesn't like Pharisees. We don't like Pharisees, right? Like that game we played, like Jesus doesn't like Pharisees. Ooh, I'm over on his team. I like that. I, I hate Pharisees. And then Jesus is like, yeah, you don't have to do all that legalistic stuff. I was like, yes, I love this guy. So we don't have to do like legalism and stuff? That's right. You don't, you don't have to do all that Old Testament law stuff? Cool. So what do we have to do? Well, you need to die every day. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, what if I just cut out sugar? <laughs> right? 
Like, Jesus realizes there's people who are gravitating toward him for some of their own reasons. Nothing's changed. What could God do for me? And how could this help me? And, like, it's not wrong to want to be close to God and to have a hunger for him and what God could do for you and being aware of your need of what only God can do. That's, that's not wrong. But what if I'm only in it for what God can do for me? Jesus is like filtering the crowd going, I want to set the bar way high and then give you a clue at the end. You need to have spiritual ears to hear what I'm saying. Because if you'll have that kind of hearing, you won't hear this as like intense religion. You'll hear this as an invitation to a whole new kind of life. So go back to my picture of the, of the new day. Okay, I'm not going to have sugar. I'm going to work out every day. Day two, you're just like, what if I just slept in and had Fruit Loops when I wake up? They don't even spell Fruit Loops like it's actually fruit. There's two O's in fruit in Fruit Loops. What is it? It's food coloring and sugar. That's all it is. Fruit Loops. Okay. <laughs> Although if they spell Loops, L-U-I-P, it'd be like Fruit Loops. Like, that'd be weird. Okay. So, I don't know. These are the thoughts in my head. So... <laughs> So what I want is Fruit Loops and more pillow time. And yet what I also want is to be really healthy and in good shape and to have the rewards of discipline. And the reality is, here's, here's a straight up splash of cold water in your face. You can't have the rewards of discipline without discipline. And the root word of discipline is disciple. And so when Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, he's not hiding it. He's like, this will take discipline. Like it's in the language. Disciple. Disciplined. Follower. Of Jesus. And if you want to be my disciple, it's not a title it's a series of actions that become your lifestyle. Like saying no to sugar and doing the gym every day. If you hit that discipline, there comes a point, and these guys, you guys can nod. There comes a point, right? There comes a point where you actually start to crave that. Like there, com there comes a point where your appetites shift and you actually start feeling like, Ugh, how did I eat all this super sweet stuff before? And, and when you miss out on just, you know, kind of moving your body and doing some working out, you're kind of like, oh, I, I just, I miss just doing some working out. And it's not trying to show off or anything. You actually have shifted your appetites. So Jesus is saying, I want to set a standard that you will understand it's impossible to do just by your own discipline, but if you'll let the Holy Spirit help you, he could anoint your self-discipline and you could actually live a whole different kind of life. Totally different. And so what, what does he start at? He says, okay, so verse 27, we, we looked a couple weeks ago at the whole idea of like the, the love of everything else looks like hatred by contrast to our love for Jesus. Then he says, if anyone's going to be my disciple needs to carry his cross and follow me. We need to carry our cross and follow him. It's like Jesus knows human nature. At times, we can be into something so long as there's something in it for us. 
people can tend to be noncommittal. And if you, if you don't me, plan an event and invite 30 people, but ask them to RSVP. Amen? People will leave you hanging until 45 minutes before your event is about to start. Like, hey, bro, what can I bring to your bonfire? And it's like, dude, I asked you three weeks ago to commit. I canceled the bonfire. Nobody was coming. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray. <laughs> just kidding. We can tend to just leave that as an option on our calendar because what if something better comes up? We don't say it out loud, but that's why we're noncommittal. What if something better comes up? And so Jesus is attracting crowds, and he knows human nature. And what he's doing is he's filtering the people who are like, well, this is cool, and I love watching, like, miracles. That's amazing. And, and when some kid brings his lunch, and then we all eat miracle bread and fish, that's cool. I like that. And I like, you know, I like how he's down with the Pharisees. That's awesome. And we're in it for all of these different things, but we're keeping the door open. Maybe there's another option. Like Jesus' standard on relationships and stuff. It's like, ooh, that could be tight. So what if, what if I did it my way and then invite Jesus into my life after? Now here's, here's the thing. None of us really says that out loud. So Jesus flushes it out for us. That's what he's doing. None of us says out loud, you know what? I'm not going to take Christianity that serious. We don't say it out loud, but we just, we don't, you know, when there's options to go deeper in our walk with God and we feel that nudge or there's an opportunity to, you know, go deeper with our friendships that it's like, you know what, let's, let's get into a life group or something. Or let's, let's take discipleship to the next level. We kind of just stay on the edges and we kind of poke fun a little bit and, and we, we, we stay just kind of loose. Why? Because we're keeping our options open just in case. Like, yes, I want God's best for me, but what if that super hot chick, what if, can I say hot chick? I don't know. Is that totally, I won't say that. <laughs> like, what if she's not a Christian, but she likes me? Like, what if I could just make that work and then invite Jesus into our lives later? Like, we sometimes, like, what if I can do things my way and then add some Jesus to it? What if I'm missing out? on my best for me by going with what God says is his best for me. And so we're non-committal. We show up to the bonfire 45 minutes like we commit then. You hear what I'm saying? So Jesus is like, I want to cut that and get you to recognize the maximum way that you could live your life is to go all in with me. Carry your cross and follow me. Carry your cross, implying death. And elsewhere, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus talks about like death to self, self-denial. And not just like, that's it, I'm going to deny myself and become a Christian. Like, Jesus is like, no, 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 it's not like a one-time prayer. Self-denial all the time, daily self-denial. So, in other words, what Jesus exposes to every single person in this room, what he exposes to you and to me is, my first instinct of what I want is often like Fruit Loops and more pillow time. 
often the thing that I want isn't what's best for me. And the discipline that he invites me to is discipline. It'll, it'll take some work, but it's what's best for me. And so like that physical analogy of like working out and cutting out the sugar, what Jesus invites us to, I'm just trying to paint that picture, the discipleship, the discipline is, there's some things that he's inviting me to cut out of my life, out of allegiance to him, not just to prove I'm a good Christian, but because he knows the best kind of life is on the other side of this kind of radical obedience. So you have to take up your cross. And the second thing he says is, follow me. Now, if I said to you, follow me, like, let's just say I, I did, and I meant it like literally, like, hey, follow me. And I start walking out of here. If you, if you don't come after me, as soon as I'm out that door, right now you're thinking about it. Once I'm out that door, you've made your decision. You're not following me. As soon as you can't see me, you're not following me. You're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, gone. To follow means that you have to keep him in proximity and in proper view. I have to keep Jesus before me. And this self-denial that he invites me into to take up my cross isn't just a love test, like proving I'm a good Christian, but it's looking at him and realizing the way that he lived is the way that he's calling me to live, and it's actually the ultimate way to commune with God. And it's the way to have ultimate meaning in life is to live, not just altruistic, like, oh, I'm going give to give of myself on behalf of others, but I'm going to do so out of love for God. I'm going to let God use my life. How many want God to use your life? Okay, that's like all of us. We want God to use us. Sometimes we get offended when we feel used. But what we need to embrace is that God actually invites us into a place of making ourselves available through that denial of self, taking up the cross, keeping our eyes on Jesus and realizing over time. The physical analogy that I'm using is the best way I can think of it. Worship team can come. The best way that I can think of it is like, like working out, cutting out sugar and working out. This is, this is the fallacy for anybody who's like, that's it, I want to get in shape, is they go, for, go to the gym for a day and they don't eat sweets. And literally the next morning they're standing in front of the mirror going, looking for changes. It's like, dude, like you, you, you're barely out of the starting gate. But what you did, to, are you pointing at somebody? That's, okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Me? Um, when we do the things of discipline at the beginning, if we'll stay at it, it takes time to see those physical changes. It takes a while of cutting out sugar and going to the gym before you actually start to see those physical changes. In the same way, the discipline that God invites us into, if we'll let the Holy Spirit help us, the Holy Spirit will help us to say no to some of those things that the craving inside of us, if we're honest, there's cravings inside of us that are harmful to us. And I'm not talking about sugar or laziness. I'm talking about on a spiritual level. And if we can have ears to hear the Holy Spirit, it's not just get the message, it's actually get the conviction that the message is trying to produce so that I can hear God 
when I'm leaning toward my own way, when I'm leaning toward my own desire, when I'm leaning toward my own craving, when I'm leaning toward my own understanding, I can hear God saying, not today. Shut that down. You've been down that road before. Try it my way. Take up your cross. Like, this is going to cost me? Yes. It's, it's not figurative. It's literal. It will, it will hurt like going to the gym on day one. Like, like, break up with that guy? Like, stop going there? Stop doing... Like, really? Like, this is what you're asking of me? Yeah. That hurts. Right. But if you will take up your cross and follow me with the help of my spirit, I promise you, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to form you and shape you. The Holy Spirit's job, he just wants to make you more like Jesus. And so when we say we want to be a disciple, we're actually saying we want to be disciplined. And we want to invite that discipline, not to be disciplined like, you know, getting a spank, but actually to invite discipline like someone who's waking up early, cutting out the sugar, going to the gym. Like, I'm going to take on the discipline of what it takes, what it means to follow Jesus with my whole life. Jesus said this in John 14, verse 26. I know it sounds like I'm quoting the wrong verse, but literally, it's all from John 14, Mark 14. Okay. Jesus said in John 14, 26, that when the Holy Spirit comes, the counselor, he's going to lead you in all truth. He's going to remind you of what I said. He's, he's going to help you. I want to promise you the Holy Spirit wants to help you, like tonight. He wants to help you tomorrow morning. He wants to help you where you struggle the most and no one else knows. He wants to help you right there. But the help in that moment is on the heels of a decision in this moment. I will deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. I'm expecting some pain. I'm expecting this to cost me a bit. But I've got my eyes on the prize. I want to be like Jesus. I want God to use me. I want my life to be set apart and different. I can't want the result of discipline without the way of discipline. And so I'm embracing it now, even before it starts. As we were praying earlier, came out of worship and that prophetic word came about perceiving the new thing that God is doing. Part of what we need to perceive is the new thing that God wants to do in your life, he's not just wanting to do it for you. He's wanting to do that with you. Do you want to be my disciple? Then embrace my discipline. Embrace my way. Would you close your eyes? We're going to just take a minute to just respond to God's word. And to let it settle into our hearts. While I was preparing this message tonight, I was just nudged in my heart to consider the life of Solomon. He's the king in the Old Testament. King David's son, Solomon, who had a visitation from God at the beginning of his leadership where God asked him, what would you like from me to help you in your leadership? And Solomon didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for power. He said, God, I need wisdom. I need your help. 
And so God said to him, that's, that's amazing. I'm going to give you my wisdom. And with that is going to come money and power and, and fame. And so the Bible actually records that Solomon was so wise. God, God touched him in such a way that he was given all this incredible insight. People came literally like different kings and leaders and queens came from around the world just to listen to Solomon teach and to, to catch his wisdom. A lot of it is captured in the book of Proverbs. It's in the Bible today. People came and it says that kings would come and even just look at how he equipped his household and equipped his servants. And they just sat in awe of the level of wisdom even in those finite practical things. We can think, man, that, that's amazing. This young leader gets visited by God and God grants him incredible wisdom. What an epic life he must have lived. And I just felt reminded by the Holy Spirit as I was praying for you guys tonight and preparing this word. That although Solomon was given every advantage, that God graced him with a supernatural level of wisdom, just incredible grace. Solomon spent a good chunk of his life screwed up. Because wisdom isn't something that you can just stick in your pocket and hang on to. You have to operate. You have to cooperate with God in wisdom. Wisdom is not a possession. It's, it's, it's not just knowing what to do, but it's actually doing it. That's wisdom. And Solomon, for a good chunk of his life, he departed from living in that wisdom. He was glad to impress people, but when it came to his own life, the Bible said he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, he had all these different gods that came into his life through all these wives of his. He just totally departed from the way of God and really kind of was the original rock star, just sex, drugs, rock and roll, just lived this decadent life of excess. And then he writes this book of the Bible. God inspired him at the end of his life, and he writes this book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes, it's really just filled with regret. Looking back on turning his own way. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. This regretful old man who had been given a touch of God's spirit and a touch of God's wisdom. He comes to the end of his life and he says this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come. In the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Let me put that in my own words. Solomon's saying, get serious about God when you're young. Before the trouble comes, before you come to the end of your life, and you look back and you say, man, I wish I did things God's way. See, the privilege of preaching to a room full of young adults tonight is that you're, it's, like, it's like you're wet cement. You're, you're ready to take on the load. You can be formed in this season in any number of ways. And God wants to form you by his word, but he'll honor your will. He invites you into discipleship. He invites you into obedience. And I want to challenge you from the call of Jesus and from the warning of Solomon's life that you can be given every advantage and sit in an atmosphere like this and feel like, yes, I, I really want to do this. But hear me, it's not just thinking it in this moment. It's making the decision in this moment and then again tomorrow and the next day and the next day, taking up your cross, 
following Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus before the trouble comes, before the difficulty comes, before you look back with regret, look forward in faith and say, I'm going to be I'm going to be an old man who looks back on my life grateful for the hand of God helping me through those difficult times. And I'm going to live with that perspective now while I've got all the options in front of me. The main thing and the only option I've chosen is I'm coming after Jesus. I'm dead to everything else. I'm taking up my cross. I'm dead to everything else. I'm coming after him. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Tonight is a night of new beginnings. It's a night to make a declaration to ourselves and to God and say, God, I'm fully coming after you in this new season. I'm embracing the Jesus way. There are some things in me, we're admitting this as disciples, there's some things in me that I desire that are harmful to me. I can admit it. And I'm choosing to die to that and to come alive to your desire for me. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. So tonight, if that's your prayer and that's your desire, I want to open up this altar and we're just going to take some time just to respond. Pastor Levi and the team are just going to lead us in worship. And this is an opportunity for us to at the beginning of this new season, this new school year, kind of looking forward with life kind of unfolding in front of us in some new ways, saying, God, I'm not going my own way. I'm not making some of the mistakes I've made in the past. I'm not going down the road of some of the things that I've done before. But tonight, I'm going all in. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to keep you in my sight. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, for help. So tonight, if you need the help of the Holy Spirit to go all the way in your discipleship, would you just take a few moments, step out from where you are. Let's take some time and just pray as the team leads us in worship. Let's just come and get around this altar and take some time just to seek the face of the Lord and just ask him for his help. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you give me the ears to hear you? Not just tonight, but tomorrow and the next day. In in my weakened moments, would you strengthen my faith? I thank you, Father, that tonight what you're doing all over this room is you're awakening fresh love for Jesus, a fresh willingness to go all the way for you. And so, God, I'm praying that tonight, Lord, we would embrace the discipline where we need to let go of some things. We can admit it's it's like the sugar. It's just like the stuff that feels good in the moment, but we want to let that go to go all the way for you. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to just now fill this room Take your word, apply it to our hearts, and help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Holy Spirit, to follow after you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week, and we hope to see you soon.